Welcome everybody to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the week in review for February 29th. I apologize for not getting this up sooner. Had a basketball broadcast last night, felt pretty tired, and didn't get to watch Power up until this morning, but... Before I get to the weekend review for this week, I got to make a couple comments. I have to go off for just, just a few moments. Super Showdown took place on Thursday. Super Showdown. The event in Saudi Arabia. Some of the booking decisions. Oh my lord. What are you doing? First off, I know Brock Lesnar is going to beat Ricochet. It, it, we all know that. It's leading to McIntyre versus Brock at WrestleMania. But you did, from what I read, pretty much Ricochet just got destroyed in a minute and a half. A minute and a half. You just have Brock run through him and give Ricochet no offense. What the freaking heck? What credibility does he have now? He just looks like a punk. He looks like the same as Kofi Kingston, pretty much. It was just a prolonged beating. Don't understand that. I hate that. And and, and we have a, still have a part-timer as champ at this point. Hopefully, by the time WrestleMania comes around, McIntyre will have the title. But then also, we get the atrocious finish of Goldberg defeating Bray Wyatt to win the Universal title in the main event of Super Showdown. Oh my gosh. He Goldberg does not need it at this point. Goldberg is a part-timer. He barely ever shows up and he gets a title shot. Just because he's Goldberg, I guess. Doesn't make sense. And you literally killed... All the momentum that The Fiend had. That character was building for a year. And you just completely destroyed everything by having Goldberg go over him in three minutes. My freaking goodness. And literally, I think this made more sense. You have Bray beat Goldberg... And then Bray versus John Cena at WrestleMania for the Universal title. You know what? That makes a lot more sense than Goldberg versus Reigns for the Universal title. I know they were trying to work to get the title back on Reigns. I love Reigns. I'm fine with him. But really, Goldberg versus Reigns for the Universal title? They could have gotten to that later. They didn't need to do that at WrestleMania. Reigns and Goldberg, that's fine by itself. They doesn't need a title around it. Bray Wyatt and Cena, there's a lot more going into that story than Reigns and Goldberg. Spear versus Spear, big freaking whoop. Wyatt versus Cena, Wyatt. Avenging his loss to Cena at WrestleMania from uh, back in, what was it, WrestleMania 30, avenging his loss against John Cena from then. That's a part of the story. Another part of the story. Also, John Cena going for his 17th World Championship. This, the, 
the match writes itself, the story writes itself, the Reigns-Goldberg match doesn't make any sense for the Universal title. It's literally just them trying to get the title back on Roman Reigns, which is not necessary at this point in time yet. Like I've, like others have said, Wyatt didn't need the ti- Universal title right now. He didn't need the title when he won it. But WWE, they do themselves a favor and book themselves into a corner and they panic and they go, oh, Goldberg and, Goldberg and uh, Roman Reigns uh, for the Universal title at Rain, uh, Mania. That's going to make us a ton of money. Yeah, it's also going to make a lot of people turn it off. And I can guarantee you that Roman Reigns and Goldberg, that match is going to get absolutely crapped on at Mania. Absolutely crapped on. It's going to be triple, somebody said this, Triple H, uh, Roman Reigns from WrestleMania 32. It's going to be like that all over again. Maybe worse. Because we all know the result. We all knew the result anyway, but this just makes it worse. Even more obvious. I am beyond frustrated with that. And if they move this to ESPN+, Plus, I'm out. <laughs> Re- WrestleMania to ESPN+, Plus, you're going to charge us $4.99 for an ESPN Plus subscription and uh, $60 for a, over $60 bucks for a pay-per-view. I'm out if that's happening. I'm moving on to something else because I'm not spending 60 bucks from what I heard possibly four times a year for that. And for those kind of quality shows because honestly, it's not been quite very good quality the last couple of years. I'm out on that. That's I'm getting off my soapbox at this point. Let's just go on to the weekend review for this week. There was some good stuff on the shows from Raw, AEW Dynamite, and NWA Power. Let's start off with Monday Night Raw. Uh, Randy Orton starts out with a promo, says he's apologizing, and his, his emotions are unbalanced and stuff, and he's truly sorry for what he did. KO interrupts, and he's been dealing a, a lot with uh, delusional people recently including the Monday Night Moron and Seth Rollins. I thought that was pretty funny. AOP and Murphy. And he wants to deal with Orton tonight. And he's, he, wants to, he, wants his, uh, he wants to know why also. Because KO goes on this little story where he's a, been a WWE fan his whole life. Said one day he dreamed, his dream died because Edge got his uh, career taken away from him. And it was brought back to life back at the Royal Rumble. And then taken away once again by Randy Orton. He asks him why. And Orton uses the you think you know me line. KO wants no more talk. Let's fight. And it says, Orton says, you're on later tonight. I thought this was fine. Set up to set up a match later in the night. KO going up against a bunch of delusional people here recently. After that, we get Angel Garza with Zelina Vega. It's Charlie Caruso with the interview. And they talk about their relationship being strictly business and uh, taking out Humberto is like taking out the trash, and it's a kind of like a family member you don't want to know, want to uh, kind of associate with. He's gonna put him where he belongs, Garza will. And once he does that, there's nothing gonna stop him from reaching the top of Raw. And it says his says business is always a pleasure with Charlie. They're teasing something a little bit there. 
possibly a relationship between Charlie Caruso and Angel Garza. But uh, Humberto versus Angel Garza was up next. And I thought this was a solid, pretty good match. A heck of a match, actually. Uh, they, these guys have great chemistry. And uh, hopefully we see more of this, these two together. But just not back-to-back-to-back-to-back matches, which guess what we got at Super Showdown. We got another match between uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. We need to stop doing that. Stop doing the repeat matches on shows and like doing a rematch literally the day after two day three days after it happens but uh late in the match Garza hits a beautiful moonsault from the second rope outside of the ring before a commercial break then Humberto hits a Spanish fly right after it uh Humberto goes up top distraction by Vega leads to an uppercut by Garza Spanish fly from the top by Garza for a near fall kick to the face by Carrillo gets a two count and then exchange of pin combos and Carrillo Goes for the victory roll. Garza catches him before he finishes the roll and gets the win. And I, I don't know what they're trying to do here with Humberto because he keeps losing week after week after week after week. He can't seem to get a win. If, if they if they want to make me make him a believable contender for the United States Championship against Andrade come at WrestleMania, it'll probably be a triple threat, I'm assuming, between Humberto, Angel, and uh, Andrade. If they're trying to go for that, you gotta make Humberto win. You gotta get Humberto win some matches. But after that, we get a video showing Baszler biting Lynch. It's a sequence of videos throughout the night that we get from that. Ricochet versus Luke Gallows. Ricochet gets the win with a shooting star press from the top rope. And one thing I took away from this match was uh, Ricochet was using different finishers as he was heading into Super Showdown. I thought they were going to tell a little bit of a story with that when he hits all the big offense on Brock and he actually kicks out of it. But we never got to that. We just got Brock squashing Ricochet. So that was all pretty much pointless. So, And then after that, we get AJ backstage with the OC and he tells them, act like they're the greatest tag team in the world. It says a miracle can happen at Super Showdown. And if, yeah, Ricochet wins the title, which he didn't. But they need to plant their flag in the top of the food chain. Alistair Black walks by, and he thinks... Black thinks he's a hot shot after winning a couple matches. They jump Black, and... They need to show him who the OCR. And like I said, they jump him and beat him up. And that brings us into our another rematch from the week before. Eric Rowan versus Alistair Black. Yippee! But that'll be later on after this segment. Brock with Heyman live and in person, actually. And Heyman's trying to sell the match. It's saying the stakes are really high this Thursday. Got some cheap heat at times. And then the consequences that could take place if Ricochet were to win at Super Showdown. It'll be out of the window Sunday that McIntyre Lesnar... Actually, not this Sunday. This was Thursday. But, uh, yeah, out of the window. And he hasn't been wrong with any spoiler. And he said Brock will take McIntyre to Suplex City. Then, now, and forever. Same yada, 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 yada. Not a bad promo. It was pretty good from Heyman. And then we get a continuation of the Shana-Becky video promo from earlier on. 
And then we get the Aleister Black versus Rowan rematch. And Black, he's kind of dazed and hurt after that beatdown from uh, the OC. And it was a fine match. Uh, Black showing some nice resiliency, fighting through the beatdown. But Rowan completely looked like a dork for putting him back in the ring after he powerbombed him. All he had to do was just get back in the ring and take the count out win. And, but one thing I'd say, I'll say about this, this went about five minutes too long. We could have cut out a lot of this stuff. We could have got to the finish a lot quicker, had more time for other stuff on the show. But Alistair Black wins, which is the right move. And he wins with Black Mass. And what I'm hearing, rumor and innuendo is that it's gonna, it could be Alistair Black versus AJ, Alistair Black and AJ, not AJ Styles, Alistair Black and Undertaker versus the OC at WrestleMania. Because what they did at Super Showdown was have Undertaker come in at that uh, Tawake Trophy gauntlet match. He came in and chokeslammed Styles and pinned him like super quick. I think that's what the, I think that's, that could be what they're going to because they have Alistair Black intermingled into the story now. And it could be two dark characters taking on the OC come WrestleMania time. Okay, I'm okay with it. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to see Styles and Undertaker, but I get it. Undertaker's pretty limited limited at this point. Um, something big for Aleister Black to do finally at the showcase of Immortals WrestleMania. Then we get a Drew McIntyre exclusive interview with... Uh, Charlie Caruso. It was a very good interview, I'll say this. Because here's some of the kind of uh, talking points I got from it. Say, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter who he faces. Something promised a while ago, never realized. And he talks about a past, in the past being a the chosen one back in 2009. Uh, how he got fired and said he would never return. Think he thought he would never return. He had a chip on his shoulder and the only person he could blame was himself. He had to look himself in the mirror and he didn't want to be the man known as a guy who played air guitar when he was in 3MB. Talks about his return to NXT, his return to the main roster, and it was just a really good conversation recapping his uh, firing to his comeback. And this gives a reason for fans to get behind him. That's how you do it. Those little segments... And McIntyre is going to be over like Rover at WrestleMania. And he really doesn't care who it is as long as it is the main event of WrestleMania and fulfilling his destiny that he had 11 years ago. But yeah, this was a really good video. It gave us a reason to get behind Drew McIntyre. And that's what sometimes WWE suffers from. They don't give us a reason to get behind someone. They just expect us to. Then R-Truth with Truth TV, Lashley, and Lana, our guest. And it's pretty much, it's supposed to be a match between him and Lashley. Truth says he'd rather ask questions than have a match. Lana says ring the bell. Lashley doesn't even let, his, let Truth get the jacket off. This is just a kind of a preview for the gauntlet match at coming up at Super Showdown. That happened last Thursday. We get Rusev Day chance. Truth hits a five-knuckle shuffle. Uh, Lashley hits him with a spear. And it's pretty academic. 
Not really. Like I, I my, my notes say it's pretty much, I, I wasn't really sure what was the point of that match. Why throw away a match that's going to be at the pay-per-view in three days on Raw? Then we get another continuation of the Becky Shayna video promo. And then we get the contract signing for the uh, Women's Elimination Chamber coming up at uh, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view here in just a couple, probably about a week or so. I lost track. But uh, Asuka, she interrupts Jerry taking the mic, saying there's only five there right now. Shayna shows up late. And there's a lot of stare-downs in this after the... Uh, well, everyone's signing it. Morgan, when she after she signed it, she walks over to Ruby Wright, who turned on her and slammed it in her face and stares at her while she signs it. It almost gets physical. Asuka signs it. Then Baszler finally shows up through the crowd, signs, and stares down everyone, especially Natalia. Jerry, he just leaves the ring because he's like, he's supposed to be officiating, and he's like, I'm out. And it was uh, Natty and Shayna staring down. Asuka shoves Natty out of the way and tells Shayna to bite me, which I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, Natty then fights Asuka. Liv, Liv Morgan jumps over the table and attacks Ruby Riot. They all fight. And Shayna has her hands up saying she did nothing. She's by herself in the ring. And then guess who shows up? It's Becky. They come there to fight. And Lynch is going after Shayna. Shayna takes her down, and they fight on the ground, kind of trading punches and such. And the officials have to separate them, and they continue to brawl before the commercial. But overall, I really like this contract signing. It pretty much... Everyone has an issue with everyone except Sarah Morgan. Sarah Logan, she kind of felt, like, odd in that uh, situation. But Liv, Liv uh, Morgan... And Ruby Riot, they have an issue going on. Natty and Asuka, they have an ongoing issue. And Becky and Shayna, everyone has issues. Becky's not involved in the Elimination Chamber, but it's still, it's, it's the lead up to WrestleMania. It's going to be Becky versus Shayna, of course. After that, we get Angelo Dawkins versus Murphy, and this is over pretty quick. It's uh, Dawkins hits a big spine buster on uh, Murphy kind of early in the match, and then Rollins interferes, causing the DQ. Not really sure what the point of that was, but then we get Montez Ford versus Rollins, and it was a really good match between those two. Uh, Late in the match, Rollins tries to hit a superplex. Uh, Ford kicks him in the face. Rollins then goes for a pedigree DDT. Ford, Rollins kicks out. Ford goes up top again. Rollins up there. Ford knocks him off. Rollins back. He fails again. Sunset flip powerbomb by Ford onto Rollins. Then he goes for the big frog splash and misses. Stomp by Ron Rollins. Gets it done for him. Kind of to set up this tag team championship match coming up. Well, that was at Super Showdown last Thursday. But a really good match between these two. Ford looked really good. He almost got the win. Rollins skates by like the heel he is. And it, like I said, it should have been should be a should have been a fun match at Super Showdown. From what I read, it was a fairly good match. I haven't gotten the chance to watch any of it. Probably prefer not to watch any of it because it's. Well, I heard it wasn't that great. It was some, some kind of bad. It was bad to okay. That's what I heard. Then we get Orton versus KO in the main event. 
And KO showing great fight here early, beating him down in the corner. Uh, KO at one, goes up for a frog splash early on. Rollins and company show up. Orton then knocks him down off the apron before in frame, uh, kind of frame by frame commercial break. Once we get back to the action uh, live, Orton controls, actually it's during the break, Orton controls the arm and the action and then KO hits a super kick to stop Orton's momentum. Raiders and Street Profits show up. The Viking Raiders and Street Profits show up to even the odds outside the ring to make it fair. They all brawl. Orton takes KO's leg out on top. Orton's superplex attempt is stopped. KO punches the leg. Orton and him trade shots. Headbutt knocks Orton down. Swanton bomb by KO. Rollins is on the apron to force a distraction. Then Orton hits a clothesline. And then following that... Orton Rollins with another distraction, draping DDT by Orton. Quick count by the official gives the win to Orton, and I was incredibly confused at that point because I did not know what was going on. But what we did find out afterward, it was the official was a disciple of Seth Rollins. He's getting getting a cult following, pretty much. He's getting a cult going for his uh, uh, people, and uh, Rollins gives KO the chair actually. Uh, no, Rollins the chair. I mean, Rollins gives Randy Orton the chair. KO also has a chair. And he was going to concerto KO. Ref takes the chair from KO. And like I said, he was a disciple of Rollins. And he find out, come to find out, he has a Monday Night Messiah shirt underneath after KO rips it off. And he was working with Rollins the whole time he was in cahoots with him. He is joining that... Uh, I his I don't know Rollins group <laughs> he's joining Rollins group and uh, he didn't Rollins is portraying that he had nothing to do with it and when you all know he did and uh, KO power bombs the official through the table after a stunner and the story between KO and Rollins continue and I'm assuming we're gonna get a WrestleMania match finally a one on one match between those two not a bad episode of Raw solid episode of Raw. And we got good stuff going, especially into the women's elimination chamber with the contract signing, the Drew McIntyre interview. The wrestling was pretty decent overall, uh, especially the Humberto Angel Garza matches and the uh, Montez Ford and Seth Rollins match. Enjoyed those. Not a bad episode of Raw. It's been solid. It's been pretty good for the last couple of months. AEW Dynamite, the go-home show before Revolution. But before I get to my AEW portion of this show, just want to give you a kind of a rundown of the matches coming up this Saturday, actually today, at AEW Revolution in Chicago. The main event is going to be Chris Jericho versus John Moxley. We'll see if it's the main event. Probably a co-main event with maybe MJF and Cody. We'll have to see about that because... MJF and Cody's got a bit of a story, and so does Jericho and Moxley, but it's Jericho and Moxley versus the, well, for the, it's Jericho and Moxley for the AEW World Championship, also on the card, MJF with Wardlow versus Cody with Arn Anderson in a singles match, and then a tag team championship match between Kenny Omega and Adam Page, the tag champs, versus the Young Bucks, also on the card, 
Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes, Darby Allen versus Sammy, excuse me, Guevara, and Nyla Rose taking on Chris Statlander, defending her newly won AEW Women's World Championship. An interesting addition to the card we got was Pac versus the Orin, the man. An interesting addition to the card just on Wednesday. We are getting Pac versus freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. I can't believe I'm saying that right now. I don't know what... This is going to be either really good and entertaining or this could be a complete disaster. I don't know. Orange Cassidy is hopefully going to try. Always hope. And then a pre-show match. We're going to get SoCal Uncensored. Frankie Gazarian and Scorpio Sky with Christopher Daniels versus The Dark Order. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson with uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver in the corner of The Dark Order. Probably have a couple creepers in tow for that match. That'll be on the pre-show. But eight matches on AEW Revolution. Lots of good stories coming into that show. Let's start out with this show here tonight. AEW Dynamite Go Home Show before Revolution. We start out freaking on fire. Kenny Omega with the Bucks in his corner against Pac in a 30-minute Ironman match. This match goes 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes, zero falls to zero. And this is just... This is just very well paced, very good match. And Pac, he's he's doing everything possible to, well, every underhanded tactic to try to win this match. The first fall takes place after Pac grabbing, grabs a chair and hits Kenny Omega in the face with it near the 14-minute mark, one nothing Omega. And then not too long after, about 13.21 left, uh, Pac... It's a pump kick in the corner and then a black arrow to tie it up. One to one with 13-21 left in the match. And these guys are going back and forth. One time fighting on the apron. Packets a nasty falcon arrow from the apron to the floor. And we get down to five and a half minutes to go. Packets a table out, puts Kenny Omega on it. He's using, like I said, every underhanded tactic. The ref, the officials knocked down, and and it's just he's trying to gain every advantage possible. It's a shooting star press outside of the ring to put Kenny Omega through the table. Both men are down. Ref back in to do the count out. Pack beats the count. Omega got in with the help of the well, with help from the Bucks. And this is less than five and a half minutes ago. It's still one-to-one. Pack back up top. Kenny gets his knees up on Black Arrow. Omega V-Trigger. Another V-Trigger. Rock bottom-like move for a very close near fall. All great near falls in this match. Just a freaking awesome match overall. But uh, Pack hits another DDT. Puts a Brutalizer in. Omega continues to roll through the ro- towards the ropes and uh, tries to get out. Gets the rope. Pack uses the full five count. And he then puts it back in the middle of the ring. Omega doesn't let him get it fully locked in. We're at one minute left, tied one to one. Pack gets it relocked in. Kenny almost pins him. Omega puts his fingers in his eyes. Pack gets it locked in again. 
Countdown goes to zero. It's tied one to one. We're going to overtime after 30 minutes. Pack hits the officials. Bucks check on Omega. We get a different official coming in. Justin Roberts gives us the announcement that it is sudden death. So the first one to get a fall wins the match. And then we Aubrey Edwards as the official. V-trigger knee. And then hits another ripcord V-trigger. Another knee from Omega. Goes for the one-winged angel. I think for the fourth time. Yeah, he couldn't get this. He tried this over and over again in this match. He finally gets it here. Omega gets it and pins Pack to win the match. Two to one. What a match. What a freaking match. AEW's openers are just fantastic. They know how to start a show with wrestling. And boy, it was impressive. After that, we get Pack with Tony Schiavone. And uh, Orange Cassidy interrupts Pack before the interview really gets started. Pack, he thinks this is a joke. And Cassidy takes his glasses off. Pack punches Cassidy and puts the boots to him. And we officials separate him. And, well, people are checking on Cassidy. And it will ultimately set up the match coming up tonight at Revolution. Orange Cassidy versus Pack. We had video preview for Revolution promoting Moxley and Jericho. And we get the Lex get Lexi Nair outside the Paintmaker's Posse, Paintmaker Posse's locker room as there was a weigh-in tonight, that night. Tries to ask for Jericho, big hurt, answers the door, but won't let the let her in. And then we get Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz versus the Jurassic Express, Marco Stunt, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy. And this was a pretty good match also. Uh, Guevara and Jungle Boy are fighting in the ring late. Guevara grabs the sock. Allen, he comes in and interferes before Guevara uses the sock. Jungle Boy hits a Hurricane Rana and gets a three-pound rolling up uh, Guevara. And uh, Allen throws uh, Guevara outside of the ring post-match. And we get the cue cards that we actually saw last week from Allen. And this continues the heat building the match. Well, building up the match for Allen versus Guevara. And I like this because it also gives Jurassic Express a much-needed win. And I thought this was mission accomplished here. You checked all the boxes on this match as we continue the Guevara-Darby uh, Allen story as uh, Allen got taken out a while ago with uh, his own skateboard and hurting his throat, taking away his voice. But yeah, Jungle Exp- Jungle uh, Jurassic Express gets the much-needed win and we continue the build for Guevara versus Allen at Revolution. And then we get a video package recapping the story of how we got to Cody versus MJF. It looked very well put together. I really liked it. After that, we get Butcher and Blade with the Bunny versus the Best Friends. And some fun stuff in this match. Cassidy and Bunny are in the ring together. And Bunny prevents him from putting the hands in his pockets. Bunny got involved during the Battle Royal just a week or two ago and kicked Allen in the nuts. And Bunny takes the glasses from him. She puts them on. He tries to kick him again, tries to do the low blow again on uh, Cassidy. Takes the bunny ears from Bunny and puts them on himself. Bunny misses with a punch. Suicida by Cassidy on Butcher as the ref was distracted. Strong zero is like a reverse tombstone dropkick combination by Chuck Taylor. 
and Trent. It gets it done for them. And we Shivani then announces a big match for Revolution. Orange Cassidy versus Pac. And then Shivani interviews them. Best friends talking about their winning ways. They're back on the winning track. And Chuck says, Pac, you think he's a joke? Because joke's on you. Orange Cassidy, he's actually going to try. Trent, he then uh, answers back saying he might try or might not. But Orange Cassidy gives the thumbs up. And I guess he's going to give it a give it a college try at coming up at a revolution this Saturday, actually tonight. But really, overall, I thought this was harmless fun. It should be really interesting, though, to see Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Don't know what we're going to get. I hope it's fun. And hopefully we get to see Orange Cassidy actually work. Uh, we get a four-way women's match. On this show. Also, I'd like to take note. Love having Taz on commentary. He's one of the best color commentators around. Just bar none. But I, I thought this match... Some people like this match. I didn't really like it. It was just... A lot of stuff going on. It was a... I, I understand it was a sprint style match. But I, I, I couldn't get... There was not a whole lot of time to let anything sink in. I thought the match was okay. But uh, Sheeta uh, hit a backbreaker on Swole. Like I said, this is very chaotic. This is late in the match. Sheeta ends up winning the match. She gets a much-needed win. And like I said, it was a little too chaotic, way too many counters, and it felt like they were moving kind of at a million miles per hour. It was just, like I said, nothing got a real chance to sink in. And I said, while this match was okay, I thought they should have been doing a little more build for the Statlander Nyla Rose match coming up at Revolution, but they covered that on their show after that. But I would have been, a, I would have liked it to have it a, have a little more of that on Dynamite because if we haven't had a whole lot of story between Nyla and Statlander to this point, point. and really it's been a common issue for AEW, especially with the women's matches, lack of storylines going into the matches, and it really gives us a lack of a reason to make us care who wins or loses. Proper storylines help. And it goes a long way into helping this women's division hopefully flourish here in the future. We get a JR interview with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page. I get, I didn't get to see the last half hour of Dynamite. I missed it, but I watched the last two segments, the last two big segments for that, and I heard... Also, Dark Order announcing that they will be taking on, like I said, Sky and Kaz at Revolution. But they also hinted at something. They also hinted at Daniels becoming obsolete. And if you haven't heard that, Mr. Matt Hardy has something to say to you. Obsolete. Matt Hardy, his contract expires March 1st with WWE. We'll see what he does. There's talks of him maybe working for NXT, but I think all signs are pointing towards him being the exalted one for AEW in Dark Order, which that'd be a really cool addition for him. But then we get the sit-down interview with the Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Bucks said, Bucks said the last thing they thought would be that Kenny and Adam would be the tag champs. They thought they would be the tag champs at this point, but they say they're proud of them. 
And Kenny Omega says it's the place and the time. And he's, he, Kenny thinks, oh, this is like our opportunity to be like the Young Bucks. And Adam Page doesn't like what he says pretty much. He says, he feels like Kenny saying this was all pretty much an accident. And Kenny tries to make up for it, saying they've worked from the ground up and earned it. JR notices something during the interview. He noticed that Adam Page doesn't feel too comfortable in this. Page, he kind of brushes it off, says he's fine, and they care about, and Bucks are saying they care about Page and they love him, and there's two different versions of the Young Bucks. The competitors and then the human beings, and says you'll see the human, you'll see the competitors coming up at Revolution, and they're saying Kenny and Adam are not the best tag team in the world. They are. Says we'll shake hands afterward. And then Paige talks about him trying to leave the Elite by himself a couple months ago, but they won't let him out. And then Matt and Nick kind of go off a bit and talk about how they brought him in as he was a jobber in Ring of Honor. Nick says that and says, oh, it's like, you, Nick, you were, Nick says, you were a jobber in Ring of Honor. Now you're, in, now you're a star. Adam Page then says it's his biggest accomplishment and it's and at the first chance you get you're going to take it away from me and page just walks off the interview after his drink is empty we get the weigh in i got the highlights of it uh jericho's in with his pain maker posse and kind of pretty much chaos ensues after the weigh in moxley hits a headbutt on jericho Busts him up. Jericho's crew attacks him. Dustin shows up. He fights Hager into the crowd. And they go out, go into the Dippin' Dots area. And uh, Jericho's cronies during that are beating down Moxley. Hager throws Dustin into the Dippin' Dots stand. And JR has a great call during this. If you... You gotta look it up on YouTube. JR says, For the love of God, stay away from the Dippin' Dots! It was awesome. That was awesome. I loved that. Darby Allen shows up. Meanwhile, Guevara hits him in the ring. Hits him once he gets in the ring with a flying knee, and then nails him with the skateboard. Moxley, he's out there still fighting off Jericho's guys. Jericho and Moxley brawl. Moxley goes for the paradigm shift, gets low blowed by Santana, who's in the ring. Judas effect by Jericho, and then a paradigm shift onto the scale. As this was a weigh-in to close out the show, and this is going to be a heck of a show. It's setting up to be a heck of a show at. Revolution, and like I said, overall, like I've said multiple times before, overall, this is a really, really good episode of Dynamite. I feel like I'm saying that every single week, but really, over the last two or three weeks, they have absolutely been on fire. This was a great show. The only bad thing, I think, from this show, well, not bad thing, it was all right. It was the women's Fatal 4-Way match, but you know what? I'll take that. The whole show, other than that, was really good building up to Revolution. We had that other show after that to build to kind of build the stories and uh, kind of uh, give you more build for Revolution uh, coming up tonight. After that, we get NWA Power and we get Dave Marquez with Tim Storm to start the show. Uh, Storm doesn't. It says he's not going to give up, even though he lost against Latimer a couple of weeks ago. And the Mama Storm stuff was ridiculous. This guy comes out. It's the Dave, uh, Danny Deals. I think the guy from highspots.com. And 
I'm pretty sure he was the one that's been impersonating Tim Storm, and Tim Storm's kind of tip, ticked off at him. But uh, he, he's got a deal for him. He's got a tag team partner to help him go for the tag championship. And he gives him options. Tim Storm takes door number three, and he's going to get a match between the two instead. And if the guy he has loses, he gets five minutes with Danny Deals. If he, if uh, if the guy who faces Tim Storm wins, he gets a contract. And he's talking about the past and how he originally won the NWA World's Championship. It was a little bit shady. His spot and the guy he beat, he took a spot from him. It was Jax Dane. They go toe-to-toe, head-to-head. So it looks like we might be getting that match at the Crockett Cup coming up here soon. We have Marquez with Matt Cross. And it's pretty much the theme is history, heart, and spirit are the things that come to mind when Cross thinks of NWA. And he embodies all three of those things. And he's not afraid of wrestling. And says wrestling's forever. And Matt Cross is forever. I thought this was a nice promo. Zicky Dice versus Matt Cross versus Ricky Starks. No title, non-title match. Starks is the TV champion. Dice gets the win. After Cross, it's a beautiful shooting star press. But Cross gets thrown out of the ring and then steals the win. I thought this was all right. This is a decent way of getting it set up. The match wasn't all that great, but I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to get Dice to Dice and Starks, which I thought this was a sufficient way of doing. A sufficient way of doing just that. Following that, we get Mae Valentine's Backstage Diary. She talks about how she's making amazing friends and her, how her boyfriend Royce Isaacs won and how she told her she lo- he loved her for the first time after that match and how she wants to show people how she does her makeup and all of her stuff backstage for NWA Power and how she's all busy and stuff. And she talks about her new best friend, Sal Renaro. And also tells everybody that Camille is not a scary monster, even though she looks like it in the video. After that, we get Aaron Stevens out with Joe Galley, and he asks the fans how good he is. Fans are not buying it, and he has two successful title defenses, but by way of running. Stevens denies that he's been running, and Stevens says he's a fighting champ. He's a fighting champion. It says he needs to talk about the question mark and not him. The question mark comes out. We get Trevor Murdoch versus the question mark with Aaron Stevens in tow. And this is over before you know it. Trevor Murdoch wins with the Bulldog. It was uh, the question mark who misses with the Mongrovian chop into the corner. He hits his fingers on the corner. And Murdoch hits the uh, Mongrovian, not Mongrovian chop, but the top rope Bulldog. To win the match against the question mark. But right after that, Stevens and company jump him. And they beat him down afterward. I thought this was fine for what it was. And I think it's going to be nice that once we finally get to see uh, Aaron Stevens lose the title. Because fans are sick of him. And and it's a good kind of sick of him. After that, we get Sean Mooney with Nick Aldis talking about how he defeated Flop Gordon at hard times. And how they got their victory over Rock and Roll Express. And there, he's the man. He's the one who's driving the NWA wagon right now and pulling the wagon 
for the company. And he's saying Marty Skrull's going to be second-guessing taking that uh, deal where he has to put $500,000 on the line against Nick Aldis's World Championship. But uh, Marty Skrull, he says he's not backing out. He says no more talking. He wants to fight. And Marty gets in the ring ready to fight. Isaacs, all them show up. Isaacs and uh, Latimer both show up. And all this keeps reiterating, you want to do this? And they get ready to head to the ring. But Brody King from Villain Enterprises shows up and they brawl. Security and all have to se- security has to separate everybody, plus people backstage. I thought this was effective. And it's continuing the build for Marty Skrull versus Nick Aldis at the Crockett Cup coming up here in about a month. Month and a half, maybe. But uh, it's a rematch from last year's Crockett Cup. So it should be fun. Looking forward to that. Good segment there. Good fire shown by both Aldis and Marty Skrull. We get Eddie Kingston with Marquez. A lot of, it's very interview heavy, this show. and tells him he wants to fight Pope. And Kingston tells him he's, oh yeah, we had uh, the bruisers, the, not the bruisers, but the, uh, the bouncers got rid of his uh, uh, Pope's team, the Dawson's. And it's just him and Pope now. And Pope calls Kingston trash. And he goes through his whole spiel and tried to tell tell Kingston, he tried to put him back on track. But Pope gets what he wants, when he wants. The bouncers show up, said Pope has the money to do the things he chooses. And when Pope wants beer, he'll get some beer. And the bouncers jump Kingston, double-team offense, with Milonis coming off the top rope with a leg drop to take out Kingston. And Pope says you don't cross Pope. Kingston can't find a friend, man, and keep him healthy. Kingston can't find himself friends. He continues to get beat up. And this is all right story. When we finally get Kingston to get his hands on Pope, it'll be nice to see. But uh, we get a hype video for the upcoming title match uh, tonight, which was Thunder Rosa. Well, that night, which was Thunder Rosa versus Molina. And it was a waste of a hype video, to say the least. There was also a couple announcements for that. All this versus Skrull for the title at the Crockett Cup, like you already know. Title match next week. Ricky Starks versus Zicky Dice, and then James Storm and Eli Drake defending their NWA World's Tag Team Championships against the Bouncers. And the Rock and Roll Express are the first entrance into the Crockett Cup, and then we get the NWA Women's World Championship match, Thunder Rosa versus Molina. Thunder wants to fight. Molina, she doesn't want to fight. She was trying to negotiate. Molina thinks Rosa's being disrespectful and thinks she should have just won the match really easily. She leaves and gets counted out. I get that, but it was an absolute waste of a main event. And Molina says, oh, she's always thinking, and she wants Thunder to just give her title up. And then Allison K walks Molina back down to the ring. K beats her down as Thunder Rosa just kind of watches. And Camille shows up and spears Allison K. And then we get Thunder Rosa and Allison K to stare down to end, not Allison K, but Thunder Rosa and uh, Camille staring down as we end the show. 
which I'll be, that's an interesting title match, possibly. We haven't really seen Camille compete on NWA Power, but should be interesting to see. We might get that here sooner rather than later, but that was a waste of a title match to me. The wrestling on this show was okay. The interview stuff was pretty good, I'll say. The Kingston one, the Aldis interview. Stuff made sense on this show. That's that's why that's what I want. But nothing really standout-ish on this show uh, for NWA. So that's the end of the week in review. Here are the rankings for this week. Number three going to be NWA power for this week. The wrestling was so-so in that Molina Thunder Rosa match was a complete waste of time, in my opinion. But the interview segments and that show were still pretty good. It's not that it was a bad show, it's just these two shows I thought that were bu- that are above it, I just thought they were better. This is not a bad show at all. Still, pretty good show from NWA power, but number two for me is Monday Night Raw as they continue to build towards WrestleMania. The Drew McIntyre interview stood out, and some really good wrestling on that show, including Montez Ford versus uh, Seth Rollins. And also on that show, uh, Angel Garza versus Humberto. Both really good matches, I thought, on that Monday Night Raw show. The wrestling, that's the only reason NWA gets power gets beat out this week by Raw. It was the wrestling. That's it. And number one, to no one's surprise this week, is AEW Dynamite. Heck of a show. Continuing the build for AEW Revolution. I'm ready for it. I'm going to watch it tonight. Hope you all are too. But it's going to be a heck of a show. Really looking forward to it. And I'll have that review up for you coming up on Sunday. So be ready for that review for AEW Revolution coming up tomorrow sometime that day. Sometime tomorrow. That's going to do it for the weekend review. Make sure you subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the iHeartRadio app. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanking you all for listening. And so long, everybody.